Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We did things that people said couldn't be done. Like... Uh, have another popular newspaper. Hello and welcome to Behind the Money. I'm Amy Keane. This week on the show, we're looking at the hunt for Rupert Murdoch's 21st Century Fox and why the media baron says now is the time to sell the bulk of his empire. Rupert Murdoch defied the media establishment in building his empire, scooping up newspapers and television networks around the globe. He went from owning a couple of Australian newspapers to to being the most powerful sort of media baron of the late 20th century. And now two of the biggest American media companies are jostling to acquire the majority of Fox's assets and form the media company of the future. If the analysts are to believe on this, only maybe one of the traditional media companies and cable companies out there will really outlast the tech giants. In February of 1989, Rupert Murdoch appeared on the BBC talk show Wogan. He was promoting his newly formed Sky Television company. And at one point, the presenter, Terry Wogan, asked him about being an Australian working in the UK. Well, I don't want to be rude about the English. Um, Well, go on, you've been been rude all week about the English. (laughs) No, I think they come here with greater determination, greater energy. They come from the new world, and they're not... They don't have perhaps the respect they ought to have for the rules of the old world, and it lets them break through. I met him for the first time when I lived in Los Angeles and he was speaking at the Milken Conference and I kind of ran up to him at the end of his session to buttonhole him about something or other and he sort of waved me off. Matt Garahan is the FT's global media editor. And then I saw him again a couple of years after that at the Sun Valley Media Conference. It's the big Allen and Company sort of an annual shindig for the, the great and the good in the, the media world. In those days at the Allen & Company retreat, press could go along and media moguls and their, and their sort of hangers-on would, would be there too. And the media moguls would all go off in sessions and to hear fancy people talk and give presentations and the press would sort of hang around. And then after the sessions, you know, mingle with these guys and talk to them and, you know, hopefully get a story or two. I ran into him at the bar and he was on his hands and knees looking for his wedding ring, uh, which he'd been, I think he'd taken off his finger, just sort of tossing it around absent-mindedly, and it dropped somewhere in, in the sofa. So I sort of went up, sidled up to him and said, oh, hi, Rupert, what's, what's going on? He said, oh, I've lost my wedding ring. So I said, oh, let me, let me help you. So with the two of us on our hands and knees, scrabbling around looking for this thing. His dad was a newspaper man, uh, I think in Adelaide, and that's where um, Rupert ended up running the family business, the newspapers. And the sort of very short potted history is that he he consolidated. He bought bigger bigger titles. He ended up outgrowing the Australia and, and coming to the UK. He pitched up in London. And everyone thought he was a, a bit of a joke and kind of a vulgarian. And you know, and the establishment didn't take to him. And, it, and I really think burned 
within him. And I don't know about a need for revenge, but it was, there was a, certainly a, a sense that he was going to bloody some noses and, and show them what was what. And he, and he certainly did that. Over a period of years, ended up buying the News of the World, The Sun, The Sunday Times and The Times. And this gave him a, quite a powerful platform because newspapers were you know, quite lucrative businesses to own back then. This is in the tail end of the 60s into the 70s and 80s. But he really rose to prominence in the UK in, in the 80s with this newspaper empire. And he went on to add TV companies to the business, first with Sky TV in the UK in the late 80s. And then he expanded into the US with the acquisition of Fox and the Fox Movie Studio and a number of other entertainment and media assets. Over a period of 20 to 30 years, he, he went from owning a couple of Australian newspapers to, to being the most powerful sort of media baron of the late 20th, 20th century. Matt, what was it about media that he was so interested in? Well, he's always been a newsman. I think that, that's the interesting thing. One of the times I saw him in London, he, he went through the Wall Street Journal and was sort of talking about the, the stories that would, had worked and, and which ones missed the mark. And he's still someone, I think, who has newsprint in his blood, right? So he, he, he's always been a very, very hands-on proprietor, controversially so in, in the UK at least, and I think also in, probably less so in, in the US. But in, you know, in the UK, he was always very interested in what was in the paper, particularly in the Sun, and had very firm political views which were reflected in, in, his, in his papers, particularly the Sun. The Sun was kind of the embodiment of his, of his populist sort of anti-establishment approach to, to the news. And didn't he take a similar anti-establishment approach when he went across the Atlantic to create the Fox Broadcast Network? Observers of, of US media thought it was a joke. You know, you have this guy coming over here and ha ha there's three, three national networks. How can he... He built a national network and, and he enlisted Barry Diller and they ended up doing it. And that gave him a terrific platform for other businesses, one of which in cable news was Fox News. Now, live from Studio B in the world headquarters of Fox News. And again, it was written off. No one thought that, you know, that any, anyone could challenge CNN. CNN was the, the, the market leader in, in cable news. And he came along with, with Fox News and a different template, the idea that he was going to, you know, launch something which was more in tune with, middle America, perhaps, than, than other stations. Ever notice how sometimes the biggest stories get the least coverage? Something transformative happens that changes everything and nobody notices? I just saw the president gave a rousing speech in Nashville, Tennessee, during a campaign push for Senate candidate, friend of the show, Marsha Blackburn, ahead of the midterm elections. And in a pretty short time, Fox News had overtaken CNN and, and became the market leader itself and is now the established market leader um, in that space. And it's less about breaking news and more about the kind of polarizing opinion and, and the, you know, the, the views of its big star, star names like Sean Hannity and, you know, former stars like, like Bill O'Reilly. It's about upsetting the establishment. It's about overturning the established order and a view, a worldview, which I think Rupert feels other, other, other people, other Americans are interested in. And that's borne out by the ratings and by the money that it makes. The world's media tuning in once more for the latest developments in the scandal which has dominated UK headlines for two weeks. The news of the world scandal in Britain took new turns today. As the turmoil that has brought down one of the nation's oldest newspapers there is leading to arrests happening right now. In 2011, several of Murdoch's newspapers, notably News of the World, were implicated in a widespread phone hacking scandal where Staff had hacked into the voicemails of celebrities and politicians, as well as the phone of a murdered schoolgirl. And the scandals that the company dealt with didn't end there. 
Just a few years ago at Fox News, multiple women alleged they were sexually harassed by the late chairman Roger Ailes and Bill O'Reilly, who was, at one point, the channel's biggest star. Both men were eventually dismissed. Matt, as Murdoch grew older, he's in his late 80s now, what was the plan for his succession? Was the idea that he would pass the company down to one of his kids? Well, it's interesting you say that because there was this sort of the narrative um, for years was that he was, he was you know, there was a sort of bake-off, you know, among his children to, to succeed him. So Lachlan, the el- his eldest, eldest son, and Liz Murdoch and James Murdoch were, were sort of vying to, to um, you know, one day get the top job. And o- over a period of years, each would kind of come in, in and out of his orbit and in and out of favour. But as we now see, that, you know, that, that isn't necessarily what he was thinking at all. All right, the House of Mouse is about to get bigger. A massive deal to combine two of the world's biggest entertainment giants was announced just moments ago. The Walt Disney Company is buying a large portion of 21st Century Fox. That includes its movie and TV studios, the Hulu streaming service, and a number of hit franchises. It's an all-stock deal that will leave current Fox investors owning roughly a quarter of the new, bigger Disney Company. The conventional wisdom in the media industry and the cottage industry of sort of obsessing and covering Rupert Murdoch's spectacular rise and uh, influence has been that he, you know, there is a fundamental principle, which is that he's never really sold and he's always accumulated. He's always moved up the value chain and assets that help expand his power. Arash Masoodi is the FT's corporate finance and deals editor. And you step into 2017, the tech titans, Google, Apple, Netflix, are just marching on the media industry, having destroyed newspapers, having destroyed everything in their path. And this middle ground where you're a sort of media asset owner is becoming very unstable. And this went off like a bomb in the media industry because no one had even contemplated that Murdoch would walk away without a fight. Matt, did you get a sense of why Murdoch thought now was the time to sell part of the company? I mean, he, this, he told me this himself when, when, when he announced the deal, but he, he realized that the, the landscape had changed and, and that Fox could no longer com- compete in the way that it, it once had with this sort of new generation of, of tech players who've got much deeper pockets and global scale than, than his company would ever have. And that, you know, it was being outbid for, for programming by Netflix, and by Amazon. Those companies have got global subscriber bases. Fox is you know, has a, has pay TV operations and, you know, around the world and in several countries, but it doesn't have the ability to sell its programming directly to consumers on a sort of ad hoc basis, the way that its tech rivals can. So I think he looked at it and thought, well, you know, I'm going to get a premium here. This is the top of the market. And, you know, now's the time. Welcome back. Big news and deal drama. Comcast reportedly working to make a hostile bid for the entertainment assets of 21st Century Fox. The stock is down about five and two thirds percent. Currently, it's the worst performer in the S&P 500 following reports that it is preparing a 60 billion dollar all cash offer for the Fox media assets that Walt Disney has already agreed to buy for 52 billion in stock. So Comcast came in after the discovery of Disney's talks became public and Comcast began its own discussions and it over time was willing to subscribe to the same terms in terms of what would be what it would acquire as what Disney Disney was offering. The difference there was that 
it sort of subsequently became apparent that the Walt Disney deal had a easier regulatory route than the Comcast deal. If you remember, Comcast owns NBC Universal already. And when it did that acquisition, um, that faced a lengthy regulatory review. And the other consideration was that if Comcast was offering cash to Murdoch, there would be a tax payment triggered by the acceptance of that cash. In other words, an all-cash offer would cost Murdoch and the Fox spin-off more in tax payments, while by comparison, the stock offer from Disney would effectively reduce his tax exposure. So from a tax perspective and from a regulatory perspective, the Disney offer was superior. An important part of this story is a gentleman named Brian Roberts, who's the chief executive of Comcast. And Comcast is a family company, uh, which, you know, generations of Roberts's have run and have turned into this ultra powerful asset. Now, the sort of bad blood, if you will, between Comcast and Disney runs deep. In 2004, Comcast made a $54 billion unsolicited offer to buy Disney, um, saying it would restore the Disney band following a difficult few years. And so that began Brian Roberts's dalliance with messing with Disney. And that's very much been resumed 13 years later. So in, in early 2018, he basically gate-crashed part of the Disney-Fox deal that was agreed by announcing his plans to make an offer for Sky, which we remember is the uh, pan-European TV arm of Fox, you know, effectively controlled by Fox, which has a 39% stake. Fox was in the process of buying the 61% of Sky that it didn't own already before Disney came and bought it, and effectively Disney was planning to complete that purchase. So Comcast's opening shot after having been shut down by Murdoch and rejected in those in those negotiations for the Fox assets in late 2017 was to turn around and begin messing with Disney and Fox by bidding for Sky. So Comcast has high hopes to win Fox. That's quite apparent, but it doesn't sound like this battle is going to end soon. Where do things stand now? Last bit of news was in late May where Comcast basically said it is true that we are considering and advanced stages of preparing an offer for the businesses that Fox has agreed to sell to Disney. And any offer from for Fox would be all cash and at a premium to the value of the all share offer from Disney. And therefore basically saying we're about to put out a better offer for Fox. Now, it's quite a cheeky way of doing this because people don't usually put on the record statements like this out, which don't really have an offer to them. This is just saying we're going to do it, which means you can also change your mind. Now, that sort of confirms to me that Brian Roberts is very much in the mode of messing with Bob Iger and the Disney management team and trying to get in their heads. This could be about maximizing leverage to force some sort of Disney to come to the table with Comcast and negotiate some kind of truce where they have to give up some stuff. And so one interpretation has been that Comcast is building leverage against Disney uh, to then force a negotiation, a sort of showdown, a peace summit. But another one is that, no, they've taken a view and that they have to get more powerful. And therefore, they need to just go for Fox all in. Matt, if we go back to the man in the middle of all of this, Rupert Murdoch, he's 87. If he's prepared to sell the bulk of his business, why is he trying to hold on to these bits? Fox News, Fox Sports... What is it about these particular assets that he wants to hold on to, especially at this age? Well, I think it's, it's, it's the side that is most him. 
news is in his blood. He keeps the news business. He keeps the news, the newspapers, and Jetterson is the rest, effectively, um, at, a, at a at a nice price. Um, I, I just think the vision of the kind of integrated media company with you know with a news a news division or a profitable news business and TV networks and linear linear TV and linear cable just it just is is not isn't really 2018 you know but the, the media, media and tech are moving in a completely different direction which is you know personalized distribution of content and uh, over the top streaming and all of that uh, and fox looked a bit old and and looked at its setup and its structure it didn't really fit doesn't fit that template what you're saying is not only is this business in a sense in his blood and so he wants to to stick with it because it's it's exciting for him. Yeah. It's not necessarily a company that was going to draw that much buyer interest, both because of the sort of aged traditional business model, as well as because of the sort of polarized nature of the Fox News brand. You know, the, the likes of Comcast and Disney weren't really going to sort of jump on incorporating that into their portfolio. Exactly. Exactly. So is this about power then? About ensuring some kind of proximity to leaders, people like the president? Well, he, yes. I mean, he's he loves proximity to power. That's that's the that's something that is is in his blood and has been since um, I think the early days of his newspaper career. And he he was very close to Margaret Thatcher um, when she was prime minister of of Britain. You know, he he noticed which way the wind was blowing with uh, at, at the Sun and switched sides from the 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 Conservative Party to the, to the Labour Party in the Tony Blair era. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it serves many, many functions. I think he likes to know what's going on because he's a newsman at heart. So having a, you know, a regular dialogue with, the, with the, the President of the United States or the Prime Minister of Britain is, is, is great. It's, you know, it, it gives him a kick. But then you look at the, the template in the, in the US with Fox News and the, you know, it's, it's the, the President Trump's daily, daily viewing. Rupert has a hotline to the, the President of the United States via Fox News and also a personal relationship that he has. He's also very close with members of, of the Trump family. Um, Ivanka Trump was a, uh, a trustee uh, of his, of his, his uh, the daughters he had with, uh, with Wendy Deng up, up until a month before the inauguration. So, you know, he's very, very intertwined with, with people in power, has proximity to power. Um, and it serves these dual functions of, of you know, keeping his news genes uh, satisfied, but also helping with, you know, have, have an overview of, of, of the way the world is working. Arash, if we think about this hunt for Fox's assets, this race between Comcast and Disney, you can understand that no executive wants to lose, particularly when it comes to one of these contentious boardroom battles. But can you explain why Comcast is pushing to gatecrash this deal between Disney and Fox, a deal that's effectively been agreed? If the analysts are to believe on this, that's because there's a view that only maybe one of the traditional media companies and cable companies out there will really outlast the tech giants. And so Fox is actually a crucial piece of that puzzle. If you're trying to, you know, if you're AT&T, Comcast, Verizon, and you're trying to hold on to content to keep people addicted to your pipes, or if you're Disney, which is a pure media play, trying to just make sure you have so much stuff that you can't be disaggregated by the rise of Google, Apple, and Netflix. So this is this is really the subtext. It's two sides of the industry, and Fox is very much in the middle. Now, it should be good news for Fox that people are going to pay more money for it, but this sort of turbulence in the media industry is never really welcome, even if more money is involved. Yeah, some 50-odd years later, and Rupert Murdoch is yet again in the middle of disrupting the media business in one way or the other. 
this time between two massive media companies vying to be its owner. Thanks, Arash. We have much more on Fox, the Murdoch Empire, Comcast, Disney, and the rest of the industry on FT.com. We've linked to the stream page in the summary for this week's episode. Special thanks to Matt Garahan and Arash Masudi for breaking down the latest media deal battle. Let us know if you have any ideas for future episodes. You can email us at BehindTheMoney at FT.com. I'm also on Twitter at Amy P. Keen. That's Amy with an I and two E's. We'll be back next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.